And now, broadcasting from a two-person hot tub, high atop the Butterfield Park water tower, it's the E-Town Lowdown, created by Robbie and Rick. And now, your handsome hosts, PK and Rick. Welcome to another special edition of the E-Town Lowdown COVID-19 pandemic. Today is Friday, May 29th, 2020. And I have my good buddy and co-host, Scotty Malort, with me. How are you, Scotty? Good. Good morning to you, Rick. How's it going? Uh, doing fine. Glad that uh, you were able to join uh, us today. We have a special guest, Ms. Erin Jason, who is the Business Development Coordinator from the City of Elmhurst. Erin was with us several weeks back, and there have been a lot of developments since then. So welcome, Erin. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. Oh, glad, glad to have you. So we're right here in the middle of the the change from the governor's phase two to phase three. So I'm sure things are crazy at city hall right now, but if we could go back a little bit and just ask you, first of all, are there certain sectors, business sectors that you see that are being most uh, hurt by this pandemic? We've seen across the board, um, some really hard times for all of our business sectors. Um, it's surprising as we go through every week, it's kind of different sectors that are affected most. Our service industry employees and service businesses are those who have been most hurt at this point because they've been so limited, which is why today is so exciting um, that so many different opportunities happen with phase three coming online. Erin, is there an overall sense of positivity in City Hall because of that? Absolutely. Um, this is something we've been looking forward to and working towards you know, since the day one of closures, how can we reopen safely and how can we best serve our business population? Have you seen any businesses, Aaron, that have uh, come to you and said, we just can't reopen, we've been damaged that much by this uh, shutdown? We have had um, several businesses in town who have reached out to us and said, this is, this is it, we're not going to be able to reopen. Um, one of our newest businesses in town, a co-working space, for example, they had to shut their doors early on because there was just no way of knowing what the new normal was going to look like week after week. And um, it's heartbreaking when someone who you've watched, especially someone who you've been with the whole journey, um, has to close their doors. So tell us a little bit about the uh, phase three plan in Elmhurst and, and maybe a little bit about how you plan to help restaurants with additional seating and in particular uh, fitness centers with additional space. Sure. Thanks, Rich. That's something that we have been working on for five, six, seven weeks um, at different phases and with industry um, sector people in each of those groups. So for the restaurants, for example, um, the city of Elmhurst at Public Affairs and Safety on Tuesday approved a plan for expansion of restaurant seating outside. Um, that was then approved by executive order by Mayor Morley um, yesterday um, on Thursday. So that plan has been in action. We've been working with different restaurant owners to put that in place and to make sure we can maximize not only the amount of occupancy that our restaurants can have on sidewalks, um, utilizing public parking lots, as well as parking spaces in some instances, but also to bring their servers back to work, bring the restaurant industry um, folks back to work, not just have public tables that people can sit at and take carry out, but to actually be in the restaurant and to give the restaurant the fullest chance of being back online as they normally would operate. 
In terms of fitness providers, that same executive order approved the use of city-owned property for outdoor fitness classes. In phase three, fitness providers can have outdoor classes for up to 10 participants with the instructor. Um, and we wanted to make sure that as far as city-owned properties go, that we were able to allow um, by temporary use, extended temporary use permits, et cetera, um, use of any grassy spaces or hard surfaces that the city owns. So we've been getting applications for that in um, over the last 24 hours as well, and we're trying to, as best as possible, meet all the needs of our, uh, pu our public and private partnership groups so that um, if a fitness provider wants to partner with a local church, they now have um, the ability, again, through Executive Order 4, to partner with them to use that space for an extended period of time. So lots of different um, avenues we're coming at to assist in that way. But it's not just the restaurants and the fitness providers. Um, we're also allowing um, service industries. So for instance, if you're a nail salon, we're working with you to provide outdoor space um, for your guests because they're appointment only, um, and they have to wait in their car until their appointment is ready, but if you're getting your nails done and you are waiting, you know, an extra five, 10 minutes for them to dry, we're giving you space on the sidewalk so you can have someone go and wait there so you can bring the next guest or start the cleaning process before the next guest comes in. So we're trying to work with all the different business sectors um, to get them as fully operational as possible. Has it been hard to make those decisions for the mayor and city staff uh, or has it been a pretty easy process? In terms of hard, uh, hard in that there's a lot of opinions, there's a lot of thoughts, and there's a lot of avenues you can go down. Um, easy in the fact that we have a mayor and a city council who are on board um, for whatever helps our business community and keeps our residents safe at the same time. And so that was a group effort by not only myself, um, Eileen Franz, the city planner, countless people in public works, uh, my cop, the assistant city manager, police, fire, it's like an all, all hands on deck effort to make these best practices come into play. So we're actually, I'm very proud of what we came up with and we've had a really great reception from our business community and a lot of thank yous. And we're just, we're grateful to them for working with us to make this work. Hey, Aaron, I, first off, I, you know, I applaud city staff and the mayor for their efforts in, in looking at things from that perspective, because there's no one size fits all answer for these kinds of things. And we've never really been through this before. Um, when I see this on say the, the local news at, at night, they often tend to highlight a neighborhood in the city or a particular suburb and they interview business owners and things like that. And they talk about what may be going on. I'm just curious, are there any um, neighborhoods or towns either in the city Cook County or DuPage that you look at in particular to see what they're doing that you might, you know, be able to borrow or steal from them? So Scott, I'm part of a cohort group of economic developers across the whole Chicagoland region. And we talk on a regular basis. Just last week, I organized um, with Patrick Ainsworth from the city of Des Plaines, um, a group Zoom call. We actually had two because it was such a popular um, option for people. So Patrick was the full lead on it. I'll give him credit on that, but it was great. It was all of us just talking out like what's working, what doesn't work because what works in one community doesn't necessarily work here and there, but it's still good to hear and know what everybody's doing. Um, I was the first person on the group call to say, what are you guys doing for your fitness providers? Here's what we're planning. And people were like light bulb moment, Aaron. Um, so it's great. It's really kind of fun that we have that interaction. So we say stealing lightly. Um, because <laughs> economic development isn't something you do in a vacuum. So it's good for the whole region when we all do well together. Aaron, do you know of any uh, businesses in downtown Elmhurst 
Well, in, in Elmer's period, forget downtown, I don't want to be downtown centric, that are prohibited from opening under the phase three orders? So right now, um, it's entertainment venues that are still pretty much closed down. Um, that's like the biggest closure still. So the York Theater cannot reopen. Um, Throw Nation, or Axe Throwing, and other entertainment venue cannot open. The escape room, um, the room upstairs cannot open. Pino's Palette cannot open. In their traditional sense, um, Pino's Palette, for example, they've kind of pivoted and they're doing virtual classes online and they can do private parties now online for you. But we're trying to work with those other providers and with the state to kind of push and say, hey, if there's safety measures in place, um, the York Theater, you can designate closing off spaces and seats, you know, right off the get-go with their seating me uh, mechanisms. So we're pushing to have those businesses reopen safely, um, maybe sooner than phase four. But that is the hardest hit retailers are allowed to open today across all boards. There are some capacity limits, um, but they are open. Some may choose not to reopen fully, still to continue curbside, and we'll continue to support curbside and carry out um, signage and short-term parking and things along that line, because we know that that's still important if all our businesses come back online for them to be able to ramp back up. Are you familiar with any uh, local relief programs for businesses? you know, maybe countywide or statewide? Um, DuPage County does have a um, reinvest DuPage County uh, program as in addition to like the CARES Act funding that um, the federal government issued, the state had some um, small business loans as well, but uh, reinvest DuPage, that's a new one, um, just a couple weeks old. And if uh, it's really very focused on small hometown businesses and it's eligible, the eligibility has to do with um, not only your revenue per year, but your number of employees, as well as if you were able to receive any PPP loans or EIDL loans. Aaron, do you have any sense yet of how what we've been through is going to affect the city on the sales tax perspective of things? So Scotty, our initial um, review of revenues, because it's not just sales tax, everyone sure. says sales tax hit, and we have to look at it as a full revenue, because mm -hmm. um, people aren't parking and taking the metro, for example. Um, right, so right, right avenues um, the city estimated um, around nine and a half million that we would be down in revenues um, so seeing everything kind of reopen and readjust we've had to take steps here at city hall to make changes too we've been under a hiring freeze we've uh, i think we have 15 to 17 positions open right now um, there's other different avenues um, the summer trolley program um, has been cut there's a couple of different pieces that have been cut um, uh, street paving has been cut until further and there's other line items in place kind of to get us through. Any um, feel-good stories uh, from local merchants that have found unique ways to operate? Oh my gosh I feel like I could talk about that all day Rich. Um, there's definitely lots of fantastic come-together stories here. Um, Sitter Studio which is a uh, preschool in town, like a, uh, it's not a preschool as much as it's a daycare. They have, um, or Studio City rather, they have been doing like local lunch day. Um, so they're open for um, essential, <laughs> essential employees. So Studio City, uh, they're open for essential employees, children, and they do local lunch. So they partner with a local restaurant um, every week to do lunch service. Uh, Brewpoint Coffee has, you know, put their walk-up window, which has been a great success. Um, Fry the Coop, again, a walk-up window, fantastic service. But we're also seeing so many people um, who are doing feed the front line, fuel the front line, 
uh, we've seen new crepes and um, Riley's, Fitz's, so many of these businesses, I'm like blowing my mind trying to think of all of them right now, who have been donating food to first responders, to our hospital staff, to hospital staff throughout the Chicagoland area. We've also seen great things happening. Um, everyone knows about Brian Costello. I know he was on before with um, his bagpipes. Tonight's his last night um, of bagpiping. I had so, no idea. Wow. So he will he will actually be with uh, multiple other Shannon Rovers this evening in the city center, and then he'll be on Spring Road for his last Friday night pipes. So um, that's pretty exciting. There's a, a young girl, I'm not sure what age, I think like fourth or fifth grade, someone told me who's been playing the violin every night in her neighborhood and collecting donations that she's been giving to COVID research and relief. Wonderful outpouring of support for the Memorial Day, um, the drive-through, I can't think of the convoy. The convoy fantastic support from the community from there. We are just seeing so many hometown heroes. We actually started a program that just launched this week. That is, um, you can uh, you can actually nominate um, these people who, fill, like, who fit this bill. Who, who are your hometown heroes during this time, whether it's a business, whether it's an individual, um, an organization, and you can nominate them now um, on elmhurst.org so they can tell those stories of who's been doing what in your neighborhood. Aaron, as it relates to uh, certain businesses reopening, do you have words of advice for folks that might visit these businesses? Well, Rich, that's a great point. Our favorite businesses have been working diligently to learn the rules and regulations to reopen. Please help them keep their doors open by following the regulations for customer behaviors that are outlined in the state guidelines. For instance, you do have to wear masks when you go to restaurants, even though you're sitting outside, unless you're physically eating, your masks have to be on. You do need appointments when you're going for personal services like haircuts. And you do have to keep 10 foot social distancing while you're doing outdoor classes. This is just a tip of the iceberg. So what I'm asking people is to know your role when you're supporting local. And you can find all of that on um, illinois.gov at DCEO. I know that you've had uh, developers still uh, calling you, inquiring about projects. Can you give us an idea of how that's going and maybe the type of projects they're looking at? Sure. We continue to have extreme interest in Elmhurst, which is great news. Our building department, our community development department, our zoning team, they have been flooded with applications for um, activity. We have over $229 million in commercial projects happening right now in Elmhurst. I'm continued uh, get calls from restaurants who are interested in being in Elmhurst. We have Edie Boutique who is opening. Um, there are I think this is their sixth or seventh location they're opening in the next few weeks. We have Los uh, Primos Locos Mexican restaurant opening in the next few weeks. So Elmhurst has still been very active. I mean, we are still seeing um, interest in Chicago businesses, especially now with um, big offices kind of looking to say, hey, maybe we want to downsize or have smaller um, satellite offices who want to be in Elmhurst for their employees. So there's been a lot of activity on that front. Great. Aaron, anything else you'd like to add or say before... Uh... You have to run? Rich, yes, we have a new support local 60126 campaign. Restore, reopen, revive. Hashtag Elmhurst supports local. So when Love you it. support local, share it with that hashtag and we will um, happily share it out as well. Well, if we knew if we knew how to do that, Scotty and I would do that. But we'll <laughs> encourage our listeners that are a lot smarter than us to do that, right, Scotty? Uh you you are correct, sir. Well, uh Aaron Jason. 
Business Development Coordinator, City of Elmhurst has been our guest. Aaron, thanks for uh, spending a little time with us today. And you got a lot of great things going on in the city. Thank you both for having me. And last but not least, please encourage your listeners to follow Explore Elmhurst on Facebook. It is all local businesses being shared out in events. And we'd love to have um, people follow us and share that information out. Great information. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you both. This is Aaron Jason, Business Development Coordinator for the City of Elmhurst. Now more than ever, we're asking the community of Elmhurst to please fill out your U.S. 2020 Census. It's quick, safe, and easy, and you can do it online at my2020census.gov. Thank you. The E-Town Lowdown encourages you to like Explore Elmhurst on Facebook, a great resource so you too can be in the know when it comes to Elmhurst. Elmhurst, close to everything, unlike anything. Ladies and gentlemen, we are Steve And now, it's time for another installment of One Ponce a Time with Lowdown Legend PK and his overly enthused yesteryear expert friend, Elmhurst History Museum Director Dave Oberg. Hey, boys and girls. One Ponce a Time, did you know that during the Great Depression, Elmhurst was home to a special camp created by the federal government to provide meaningful work for single men under the age of 25? Between 1934 and 1935, men from Chicago and all over the Midwest came to build barracks, plant trees, conduct conservation work and landscaping, and construct bridges in Elmhurst. Camp Elmhurst opened in August of 1934 and operated for just over a year. It closed suddenly in August of 1935 and was quickly disassembled. The camp is gone now. Its story lives on. So let's dig a little deeper. Uh, when President Franklin Delano Roosevelt created the Civilian Conservation Corps in April of 1933, uh, the United States was in the depths of the Great Depression. And the program was specifically designed to provide meaningful work for young men who had faced years of staggering unemployment. As a matter of fact, there was even a worry that you know, some people in their, their teens and early 20s had never held a meaningful job in their life. And so those who participated in the camps enlisted for six-month terms and earned $30 per month. They're expected to send home $22 to $25 a month to help their families. Um, by way of comparison, that would translate to a monthly salary of about $600 a month with $440 to $500 per month sent home. And that might not sound like a king's ransom, but with work scarce and room and board already provided by the camp, uh, these camps were offered meaningful experience and a vital lifeline to young men out of work. To hold down expenses and provide housing, one of the first tasks these camps uh, did was construct barracks and support structures for all the enlistees. And the CCC members learned valuable skills while building the structures that would serve them later in life. Uncle Sam took care of transportation. The United States Army actually provided the logistical support needed to transport a vast corps of enlistees from site to site. The primary focus of the camps was to work on conservation and beautification projects in the areas where they were sited. Between April 5th and July 1st of 1933 alone, 300,000 men were deployed to serve in more than 1,400 camps. That was the largest peacetime mobilization in United States history. 
Now, Elmhurst joined the growing roster of communities that hosted Civilian Conservation Corps camps the following year. CCC Company 2602, under the command of Captain Leland S. Power, arrived at Camp Elmhurst on August 10, 1934. The company of 200 men built military-style barracks, administrative offices, a recreation building, and a mess hall on Villa Avenue, just south of North Avenue. Their primary project was to improve the new Route 54 Parkway, planting trees, building bridges, and taking part in general landscaping to improve the appearance of the busy road. Members of Camp Elmhurst hosted an open house for local residents in April of 1935 and hosted several community dances. They also marched in local parades, so their presence was seen and felt by our community. When the camp closed in 1935, enlistees were reassigned to camps in Melrose Park and Peoria. A nearby camp in Foldersburg Woods also left its mark, conducting conservation work on the old Growey Mill, which serves as a museum in Oak Brook today. On a national level, the Civilian Conservation Corps continued to operate until 1942, when it was closed to channel manpower into the growing war effort. By that time, Roosevelt's Tree Army, as it was sometimes called, had planted roughly 3.5 billion trees and helped to establish more than 700 state parks, a living legacy we all still enjoy today. When you drive along Illinois 83, which follows the footprint of the old Route 54, take a moment to remember the work of the young men who briefly called Camp Elmer's home. Wow, Dave. I hope uh, we don't have to resort to this to get, help us get through the pandemic, but uh, it certainly gives a new meaning to the, uh, to the phrase summer camp. The E-Town Lowdown brought to you by the wonderful folks at the Elmhurst Armpit Orchestra featuring the biggest bass drum in the world at nine feet in diameter. Yes, you heard that right. Nine feet in diameter. This has been a special presentation of the E-Town Lowdown.